Welcome, my friends, to the Bob and Brad podcast produced by Bob and Brad, the two most famous physical therapists on the internet. I am Bob, exactly one half of the Bob and Brad team, and I'm joined here today by Mike Keenitz, who's part of the Bob and Brad crew. Check out their channel. Uh, and we have a guest today that Mike's going to introduce. So our guest today was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at the age of 19. She currently works as a personal trainer, occupation therapy assistant, and she's certified in nutrition. We're going to talk to her today about multiple sclerosis and the importance of diet and exercise for people who have MS. Introducing Sherry Volpe. Welcome to our guest, Sherry Volpe. 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 <laughs> We've even practiced before. I still screwed it up. <laughs> you so. even asked her. So uh, thank you very much for uh, coming here and are joining us and in the program. And we've got a bunch of questions we'd like to throw at you because uh, it's nothing like getting the firsthand account of how it is to experience something and what's been working for you and what hasn't been working for you. Yeah, no, I'm very excited to be here. So thank you very much. Oh, thanks. Okay, Mike, what do you want to start with? Well, we'll start with the basic question. Uh, for those that don't know, what is multiple sclerosis? So MS is pretty much your, um, your immune system starts attacking your nervous system. So the way I explain it to people is if you had an electrical cord and you have your signals running to, you know, your computer screen, your TV monitor, and one of them gets a hole. So those are the sclerosis that they talk about. Sure. And because what happens is the myelin sheath of the nerve becomes disintegrated. That's the fatty tissue that covers the nerve. So then signals aren't transmitting. So depending on where your lesions are, um, the degree of uh, wear and tear on the myelin sheath will determine what kind of signs and symptoms you have. And it's just, that just continues on and there's no repairing that sheath. So it causes these scar tissues over it. So some people will have certain symptoms that will come back, but not that much. Other people will never get them back. So the myelin can regenerate though, correct? At no. Times? It cannot. Um, not of now. They are doing, they have tried to do some stem cell research. I don't know how far they've gone with it to regrow that myelin sheath to protect that nerve. But as of right now, as far as I'm aware, it can't regrow. So in the type of, of MS where you have the, what is it, remitting or relapsing? Um, I mean, you might have somebody that gets loses some function and they do regain it sometimes, correct? Yes. So part of that comes with the inflammation caused by oh, the disintegration. Sure. So de depending on the inflammation response, um, once it calms down, certain people will get most of their function back because the myelin sheath itself wasn't deteriorated, I but see. some of it was, and it got really inflamed. So those signals were blocked temporarily. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. So. And then the other type for people that I don't know would be the steady progressing type. Uh, do you know, do people know which type they have typically that have MS or is it kind of unknown? Usually, you know what kind you have. Um, most people end up and they have relapsing remitting and over time they can progress to progressive. Um, mm -hmm. Some people don't progress to that way. They just stay with the relapsing remitting. It's not usually common where people are just diagnosed with progressive. Like usually you have that relapsing remitting stage and then from there, it continues on to progressive. Is that where you are at now, Sherry? Or So it's hard to tell um, because I do have long-term effects, especially from my first episode. But I also waited a lot longer to seek any sort of medical help because I didn't know what was going on. Sure. So I kind of just pushed it off to the side. Um, 
but my doctors aren't completely sure because even the the sclerosis I have in my spinal cord and in my brainstem, they haven't fully healed and I have a lot of carryover with my symptoms. Do you have any family members um, with MS? No, no one. Oh, okay. so you're the first case. Do you want to right. talk about um, when you were originally diagnosed and like what symptoms were brought up that you decided to go get looked at? Yeah, so I was young. I was 19 when I got diagnosed. Um, I was always very active, so I didn't think much of it because I lost the feeling in my feet. And I was like, oh, I'm probably having poor circulation because I have really low blood pressure um, and I'm also anemic. So I was like, no big deal. I'll ride it out, see what happens. And it just kept progressing. So I remember it started like going up to my kneecaps and I would tell my mom, like, I can't feel anything from my kneecap down. And she'd kind of look at me like, what are you talking about? Like, how is that possible? You're walking, you're doing whatever, you're playing sports. And then it started creeping up higher. And then it would creep up higher. And I remember the night it happened, I was laying in bed and it was like nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I felt it in my stomach. Like I was feeling that sensation when things start to go numb when your foot goes asleep that pins and needles and it was just creeping up my body so I was like okay I need to go to the hospital and the hospital was like a five minute walk from my house so I was like I'll just walk there so I went in there and at first they didn't believe me because I was like oh I have no feeling and they kind of looked at me like then how did you get here and I'm like I walked and they're like how are you walking and I'm like I don't know <laughs> so I remember leaving because I was getting frustrated because everyone's looking at me like, oh, she's young, she's healthy. What is she talking about? And then my mom actually made me go back the next day. And then that's when they did um, tests. I was there for two days before I got the MRI. And then I got the MRI and I just remember asking the one who took it, the gentleman. And I was like, you know, how does it look? And he was like, you can wait for the doctor to talk to you. Oh, uh, yeah. And I was just like, oh that's Lord, scary. help me. Yeah. So was, you, you were 19 when you got, when did you start having like your first symptoms? Was it at 19 or is it? Younger yeah. So I've always had some issues, um, but I never thought much about it. You know, they do say that a lot of people before their first flare up, they will have other issues. I didn't notice anything, you know, cause I was always just very active. So if I had an injury or something, or if my body was fatigued, I was just like, oh, you're playing too many sports. You're outside too much. Like you need that rest. It never really hit me until later on that I was like, well, maybe those were earlier symptoms. So the first ever like major event that made me think, oh, I need to do something was with my legs. Did, was that equal in both legs or was there one leg that was worse than the other? So initially um, they were equal. Over time and as I've gotten older, I definitely notice one of my legs. I'll know when my MS is up flaring up because it will um, rotate outward and it will drag. And I will feel it dragging and I'll start like tripping more. And the other leg doesn't do it as bad. So again, you know, I apologize for my ignorance here. I should know more about this, but um, is it more the, the peripheral nerves or what were you up in the central spinal cord on this, you know, being that you had it in both legs? Well, usually it's in the central nervous system. Um, right. It usually doesn't, it, it, your symptoms are peripheral. But sure. the initial trauma to the nerves is usually your central nervous system. That makes sense. It makes total sense. So, Do you want to talk if there are any known causes of MS? So they don't know for sure. Um, I've done a lot of extensive research and I've looked. A lot of people think it's a vitamin D deficiency because it's more common in areas that we don't get as much sunlight. 
Um, I don't think that. I think that it's a diet issue because vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin and people in the Northern hemisphere, and it's more prevalent in women. So typically when women want to lose weight in their twenties and thirties, what kind of diet do they go on? A low fat diet. So now they're not absorbing the vitamin D. So I personally think we need to look more at the diet factor because people in like the Mediterranean don't have MS. They have a lot of the coconut oils. They have a lot of the avocados, the nuts and seeds. So they're getting that fat to absorb that vitamin D. Cause um, even though my doctors have said vitamin D, vitamin D, I've gotten screened multiple times cause they're like, you need to take a supplement. And I'm like, no, I don't. You can't tell me I need to take something until you do the blood work. And I've always come back normal. Hmm. Well, good for you. Is it? I thought I read somewhere too. Is it more um, common amongst Caucasians or is that just something I read that was wrong? It might be right. Um, but then that's why I think it's more of a diet because other cultures use a lot more of the oils. Yeah. I saw so, a lot of like, like you were saying the further away from the equator thing, I did see that quite a bit. And then like, kind of like a Americans or like uh, Europeans typically is where I saw it, but yes. I mean, they just might be getting studied and diagnosed where, you know, third world countries are not getting diagnosed so very true but you also look at it's not as prevalent in men and men typically don't do that whole like low fat diet stuff (laughs) so so that's why i they don't know they think it's the vitamin d um your lifestyle changes could contribute to it and they think that some people just carry it but i think they've proven recently that it's not hereditary Oh, I, 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 that's, I'm mistaken on that too, because I, I saw that there was, I thought, a familial component to it that were, you see, you find a lot of family members. That's why I asked you if you had a family member. Yeah, I, I've had a couple of people ask me that. And then when I read more into it um, on, I'll look at the National uh, MS Association a lot and they did research and they don't think it's hereditary, but it could be, it's just like anything else. Sure. Interesting. Do you want to talk if, you know, people always ask, is there a cure for MS? Or do you maybe want to also talk about like any of the medications they have, or if you've ever taken any of them? So I've been on a lot of medications. Um, when I, there's no cure as of right now. Um, but I've been on, they had Copaxon, which is an injection. It's a daily injection. When I first got diagnosed, um, they thought I was more relapsing remitting. So they put me on that because it's one of the safer medications. It didn't work. They then put me on Obagio, which is a daily pill. Um, I relapsed with that as well. I was on Tecfidera shortly, and then I got off of it myself because I was reading studies about it, and I just wasn't comfortable. A lot of it had to do with your heart. Um, It affected your heart in negative ways. I didn't think it was worth it. And a lot of the medications I went on, I wasn't seeing any sort of change. Like, I, I didn't feel better. And then finally, I got into an MS clinic where the doctor was like, they pretty much put you to battle with a BB gun. Like your MS has progressed more than that. They should never put you on those medications. So she recommended Ocrevus. Ocrevus is kind of new. It's um, an infusion every six months, but I took myself off. Um, I noticed that when I was on it, there are some people who do wonderful with it. And if you do well with that, that's all you. I didn't. I noticed the days that I couldn't run we're getting closer together. The days that like, it was hard to walk when I was tripping. So um, within the last year and a half, I haven't been on anything. Oh, good for you. I mean, I, I mean, it, again, if it helps, obviously go for it. But um, 
you know, if it's not, why take it? And there's always there's always a price to pay for meds. There, there always is. And that's how I felt. And I only went on the medications because every time I went to the doctors, they almost made me feel bad for not. Sure. So right. I'd be there and it's like, well, you're not taking anything. And I had a doctor probably four or five years ago tell me if you don't get on medication, you probably won't be walking in five years. Here I am five years later. I mean, I saw it like, how can you tell someone that, you know, because right. everyone's so individualized with MS. We don't have two of me. I can't do a trial right. with a medication and then have a placebo. It's not going to work. So right. for you to tell me medication is going to work for me is might not be the case. And the studies for it were so limited. They studied like 700 people, followed them for like a year or two, and then put the medicine on the market because they needed something new. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, in defense of the doctor, I, I hope his his belief system was that, you know, he's trying to help you. And, and they, I think they get frustrated too because they only have so many tools in their chest, and, you know, to help. And, and most of them are drugs. Yeah. But... Um, do you want to talk about what are some common risk factors for MS and then like, what are some lifestyle, like basically like lifestyle choices? What are some bad things people do that'll probably make your MS progress worse and faster? Well, some of the common things with MS are you do have mobility issues. Um, you can end up with speech issues and memory issues as well. So sometimes I have those where my speech, I'll know words and I can't pronounce them. Um, but as far as lifestyle choices, Honestly, the biggest thing they tell you is try to reduce inflammation. So eating foods that are good for inflammation versus, you know, eating processed stuff. I personally don't think people in general should eat processed food because it does create a lot of chaos within our body. And I know that alcohol is a huge risk factor because alcohol can create inflammation in the body. So when you have people with MS who drink, that can flare up your MS. And another one is humidity. Um, so heat and humidity tends not to be the best for MS. Um, but again, living in certain parts of the world, there's not much you can do about that. Right. Yeah. And then right. smoking was one too, wasn't it? Yes. I mean, I think smoking's bad for everything. Smoking is bad. <laughs> you think, yeah. Um, do you want me to ask a question? You go ahead. Yeah. So you're a fitness instructor? Also? I am. I'm also an occupational therapy assistant. So what setting do you work in as far as occupational therapy? Uh, skilled nursing with a acute rehab. Okay. Well, we were. Yeah, that's what we were. We were too. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, as far as uh, for fitness, do you, do you work in the, out in a facility or do you? So I do more one-on-one. Um, I used to. I've been personal training since I was 18. Before I got diagnosed with MS, I was doing it not as vigorously. Um, MS was really that turning point for me that was like, you need to preach to people what health can do for you now. Sure. And um, so later on in my personal training career, I decided I wanted to do more. I didn't want to just personal train. I wanted to help people other ways. So that's when I got into the occupational therapy. Um, I looked into physical therapy. I was a huge physical therapy person, especially with the exercise background. But in the settings I wanted to work at, I kind of saw it like for me, if I lose my mobility, physical therapy isn't going to be what helps me. Adapting my life to become more independent is what's going to help me. So that was kind of my push towards the occupational side. Um, But I I was in school and I applied for both and they're like, you can only choose one. And I'm like, oh, that's terrible. I want to do both. (laughs) There was someone in our program that did both. They had a PTA and a CODA license. So You, You have to go back. 
So yeah, 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 yeah. there's no cutting corners. Yeah. Well, I tried applying for both and seeing like if I got into both, which I would choose, but they told me they're like, you have to choose one to apply oh, to. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I had a good friend. I mean, he's still alive, but um, he, he has MS and he worked as a physical therapist and he worked up till retirement. Uh, but at the end, near the end, he was working in the hand clinic. Uh, we worked at Mayo Clinic. So they had a lot of departments there. And, he, and so he could sit all day. Um, because he, he, he started using the wheelchair for just long distances. And then I think at the end, he was mostly using it. So yeah, that was a good uh, move on your part there. So what, what exercise routine do you yourself do at this time? So I actually power lift. Um, I, yeah, I was by doctors. Um, I was told early on, no lifting, you should be doing calisthenics. I was like, no. I don't want to do calisthenics. I want to lift. Um, the way I saw it is if my nerves aren't working, I want my muscles as strong as possible. Like I want them to be able to endure everything. And there was something empowering about being able to lift heavy weight. Sure. So, and when all the doctors were like, no, you can't do that. I kind of saw it as, well, let's try me. Like, let's see what happens. <laughs> so I got into weightlifting, um, Olympic lifting. And then from there, I got into the powerlifting. So for the past two years, um, I started powerlifting and they do the manual muscle test for every visit for other doctors. My numbers all went up when I started powerlifting. Awesome. So the doctors were like, oh, run and do calisthenics because I would lose feeling in my legs. But even though I lost feelings, I was still able to like squat over, you know, 250 pounds. I was able to deadlift. I was able to bench over my body weight. So I personally love the powerlifting. I'm very enthusiastic about it. But for other people. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I wasn't expecting that answer. I, oh, I was I, not either. And I, I like oh. your spunk. <laughs> you know, I had multiple people in the like skilled nursing facility. They're like, if I fall, how are you going to pick me up? And I'm like, I can squat you. You don't <laughs> have to worry. I wonder, well, because powerlifting, it's, I mean, it's a lot of adaptation of the muscle, but it's a lot of neurotension too. Like you have to get adapted nerve-wise to the heavy weights. So, yeah, I, mean, so I wonder if that would help with MS at all or not. So for me, I do notice, um, and I, I'm not a coach in powerlifting. I do not coach myself. I have someone coach me because it's, it's like that avenue where I haven't really been in much. Mm -hmm. um, I was always into the functional training. I did, you know, weightlifting, but not powerlifting and sure. I was weight loss. So I did a lot with sports training and weight loss. Um, the guy I'm working with, he's phenomenal at kind of with me. I, I tell him a lot more and I'm like, oh, you know, this is what my body demands. I can't take longer rest periods. Like there's deload weeks where you go less weight. Um, my I, I've noticed my central nervous system goes backwards a lot quicker. So other people who can take that week or two off from the gym, I can't because I can't come back and do the weight I normally do. And even warming up, I have to take a lot smaller jumps. So instead of going up by like 25, 30 pounds, I'm going up by like 10 and five pounds once I get to that heavier weight because my central nervous system needs to adapt before my muscles do. Gotcha. Yeah, it's actually interesting. I just saw an interview with uh, Pavel. Pavel? Oh, Pavel. That's the, yeah. the Russian kettlebell guy. I can't think of Yeah, it. but he's a, he's a real expert on strength training yeah. in Russia. And uh, he, he, he said, if you want to get stronger, like let's say you want to get, do more pull-ups, he, he has you do them throughout the day, but you, all, you don't ever go to max. You go like half your max. So like if you can do 10, he wants you to do five. 
but you do them all day long and it's kind of trained that neural uh, system yeah. know, to, to work. And yeah, it's very it, similar it's not... to the um, RPE base. So with weight, with a powerlifting, you can do RPE. So say it's RPE seven, you do it so you can do like three more reps. You go up to the weight where you could continue to do three more reps, but you stop there. Sure. So it is very similar. Yeah, yeah. The, the RPE is at a 10 is the max. Sure. And then you go based off that. Yeah, typically you do percentages or RPE for powerlifting, right? Yes. RPE stands for what again? Rate of perceived exertion. Oh, sure. Yes. Gotcha. Um, let's get on a different topic, I guess. Um, so can deep brain stimulation help MS or does that just like treat the symptoms? I was kind of reading about that. I had never even heard of that until I read your questions. Um, so I, I looked online and I was looking at some of the research evidence. Um, they use it more in Parkinson's. They do think as far as tremors with MS, it can. Um, I find it similar to like electric stimulation. And, yeah. you know, do I believe in it? No. But hey, if you go and it makes you feel better, whether it works or not, go do it. Right. Like whatever makes you feel better, whether it's placebo or if it's actually working, right. you know, if, if it's going to help you, I say give it a shot. Yeah, placebo can be 30%, you know, of the people. So, and if it, it works, it works. I mean, yeah. the placebo effect. So, let, I mean, uh, can we talk about diet? Yeah, I mean, why don't do you want to sort of talk about like what you eat and what you stay away from? I know you said processed stuff. We want to get more detailed with that. Yes. Yeah, so I had a horrible eating style when I was younger. Um, prior to getting MS, I don't think anyone ate worse than I did. But I was active, so I was still like you know leaner. I didn't right. care. I was nineteen, eighteen, like you can whatever. Eat whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, and I remember when I got diagnosed, I kind of saw it like I want to give my body everything it needs to fight this. You know, I'm the type where if you tell me something's going to, you know, immobilize me, no, it's not, you know, I'm going to do everything in my power. So I started looking into diet and I had a lot of friends at the time who were older than me. And I remember one of my friends sent me this video. I can't remember the doctor's name, um, but she had MS. She was on medication. Didn't help her. She switched her diet and she went over how she ate like six cups of vegetables a day. And she pretty much got off a of processed food. She ate a lot of fruits, nuts, legumes, and vegetables. From there, I started switching my diet. Um, I went, I've always been vegetarian. I went just plant-based. So my meals are very much centered around vegetables. I think diet's the most important thing. You know, I try to explain to my clients, my patients, whoever they are, that your body is a car. You wouldn't sit there and give yourself old transmission fluid. You wouldn't sit there and put water down gas. Why are you putting stuff that isn't good for you into your body? Once in a while, it's whatever. I'm not going to say that I don't enjoy, you know, cookies or sweets, but I limit myself because you want to get the most bang for your buck. You want the foods that have the most minerals and vitamins. So I eat like six cups of vegetables a day. Um, I don't stay away from dairy. Some people do. They're very, they think that dairy has a lot to do with inflammation. I think it depends on how your body breaks it down. If you notice you're having a reaction to a food consistently, don't eat it, you know, find an alternative. I have no issues with dairy. I don't find any difficulty. At, um, I don't drink milk, but I eat Greek yogurt. Oh, so sure. in the morning I'll have Greek yogurt. Um, I eat a lot of healthy fats. So I'll put peanut butter in it, almond butter, nuts, whatever it is. And then I make sure I eat a lot of fruit. So I'll eat a banana with like grapes or melon. I kind of try to stay with what's more in season, but also what's cheaper. Cause you know, fruit can be expensive. Yes, it can. So, and a lot of people talk to me like, oh, eating healthy is expensive. 
it's not if you're eating the right things. Unfortunately though, fruit is one of those things that it is. It's kind of expensive unless you get it on sale. Um, and then for my lunches, I eat like vegetables. I'm allergic to some vegetables. So like onions, I can't have, eggplant, I can't have, but I eat a lot of the green vegetables. So asparagus, broccoli, um, I'll eat cauliflower. Um, I eat a lot of zucchinis, you know, tomatoes, and I'll usually do a stir fry or I'll bake them because I don't like those raw. I'll eat like cucumbers and peppers raw. And then I usually will make quinoa or a brown rice um, or the lentil pasta, which looks like pasta, tastes like pasta, but it's usually made out of red lentils, green lentils or chickpeas. And I'll put that in there. And I kind of construct my meals out of, I need fat, carb and protein, and then a lot of vegetables. So I use the serving sizes. If you know the pasta box says one fourth of the lentil pasta, I eat that fourth. I'm not eating a half cup. I'm not eating the whole box. And then I make sure I get a lot of vegetables and my dinner is pretty much very similar to my lunch. Um, and I eat a lot of spinach, a lot of the kale because that you can cook it and it gets a lot smaller. So it doesn't feel as filling, but you're still right. getting a lot of vitamins. Um, I also read a lot of books. So I read books more for overall health. I didn't specifically gear myself towards MS. I just wanted to see what people were doing that made them healthier, what made them stronger, what made them feel better. And I found a book, How Not to Die. And they pretty, <laughs> yeah, it was- one No, of we're the, big fans. Bob, you are you? I love Bob. that book. He's got a and, um, about How Not to Diet. Did you see Yes, yeah. I heard about it. I have not read it yet. Yeah. And um, I followed what he was saying. I took the vegetables that had the most vitamins and minerals for size wise, because I don't like that full feeling. So I don't want to eat a ton of food, but sure. I want the most vitamins. And that's how I centered my diet. And I think that has everything to do between the diet and exercise, why I'm eight years in and with the symptoms I have, other people who are similar would not be walking. Sure. And I'm still walking, I'm running, I'm powerlifting. So I'm very passionate about healthy like living and it can come off kind of strong, but it's just because working in skilled nursing, you see what unhealthy lifestyles can do to you. Mm -hmm. right. So then now you're seeing, okay, well now I have a condition. So now I'm throwing my condition on top of the normal process of aging. So that's why I'm very, you need to eat well. You need to fuel your body. If you don't even want to exercise, the best thing with MS that you're going to do for yourself, I, I lean towards a plant-based diet. Um, I feel like there's a lot of additives in the meat, unless you're getting it from like a farm or you're getting it from like a farm stand. Um, you know, they have different places that get meat in, but I think the plants and getting all the nutrients definitely made the biggest difference because my body is strong enough to fight off whatever comes at it. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, I know Mike, you're a meat guy and I do eat, eat some meat now too, but I um, still cut out a lot of the processed crap. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I have no problem. People are vegan or vegetarian. No, it's just... exactly. And, and uh, if you read that book, you'll find out, I mean, so many of the things that helps is because of the, of the helping the inflammation. It's, it's yes. just, I mean, right down the line. There's, I mean, there's an older, not older, but there's a book written by a gal that had MS on diet, isn't there? I can't think of what the heck her name was now. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. Um, I would definitely keep my look up because I will read. There actually was a woman in the video. Um, yeah, the she's, in, she's in that uh, Living Proof document. Yes. Matthew Embry. Yeah, that, I can't think of her name. I, I know Me Matthew either. Embry's name, but. But no, I don't remember her name. There's another guy who wrote a book. Um, I forget his name, but it's like Eat for Health or something. It's similar to like the How Not to Die. But yeah, just... I think um, I think Brad read that one. Oh, did he? Uh, yeah. 
Um, I, I believe so. But uh, yeah, it's very interesting. He's very well researched uh, as far as the yes. how not to die. I mean, it's just, in fact, in his second book, he doesn't even put the references in there because the references make a book itself. So you, you have to go to his website, I think, to get the, the references. And But I don't know if you know his history or not, but he he donates everything he makes to charity. Really? So, yeah. So, you know, he's the true, he's the real deal. He, he believes in what he's doing and, and it, it, I believe he's helping a lot of people. We had, we had one person who was on our, uh, channel this was years ago and she had rheumatoid arthritis and she went the same route and the meds were just making her sick and she had an amazing recovery i mean her rheumatoid arthritis is in remission and she's lost all this weight and and uh it was a incredible story so and that's what i try to tell people like being in shape is cool like i'm not going to sit there and be like oh i don't like being in shape but i can't stress the importance of health like right. being in shape's a nice benefit, but being healthy is far, far more important than looking good. And there are people who look good who aren't healthy. So, yeah. you know, it just, I, I think that if diet became a main focus and especially with people with MS, like they would see a lot of decrease in their symptoms. Yeah. Food is medicine. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, do, you, do you eat three meals a day or do you, do you eat smaller meals or, or do a lot of snacks or? So I eat three meals. Um, if I'm really hungry, I'll eat a snack, but I also am very busy. Like I don't have time to sit there and be like, I'm going to eat every like three hours. You sure. know, it's not going to happen, especially like working in skilled nursing or personal training. You have very small windows of opportunity there. Um, but if I'm hungry, like I'm not going to not eat something. Um, I have read a lot of studies that it doesn't matter which one. It just depends on your preference. The reason why some people like the smaller meals is because they don't binge eat at the bigger meals and they're not as hungry sure. so they stick to that um but for me i i like the three meals because i eat before i go to work and then i eat lunch and then i eat after when i'm out gotcha gotcha you want to talk about how your life has personally changed since you found out you had ms i will say my life changed extremely for the better and um, minus the whole like i do have certain limitations like there are certain days where i went and ran six miles the day before and now i can't run two that's not a benefit, but I was like gung-ho about being a doctor. And when I got diagnosed with MS, I learned very quickly that preventative care is where it is, you know, all doing that stuff to make it. So if you get sick, you're strong enough to beat it. So I decided not to go into being a doctor and I became a personal trainer instead. And then later became an occupational therapist. I mean, if it wasn't for MS, I, I honestly feel like I would have went the medical route and that's not where I'd want to be knowing what I know now. Sure. And then, you know, as far as just my drive, you know, you learn a lot about yourself. And when, you know, all growing up, people used to tell me you're stubborn. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> like, that's great. You're calling me difficult. That's wonderful. And then when I got diagnosed with MS, um, I got this mentality, like, I don't care if my body hurts. I don't care if I don't feel well, it's going to do what I want it to do. And I, I don't care if I want to run, I'm going to run. If it hurts, it's going to hurt. And that stubborn became a positive thing sure. because if someone looked at me today and is like, MS is going to make you immobile in five years. I tell them good luck. Like, no, it's not. I'm not going to allow it because I have control. Like I took control of that responsibility and it carried over to every aspect of my life. If I wanted something, I was going to get it. And it's not because I, you know, just blink my eyes and God, I will work for it. I will do what I have to do. And if it wasn't for getting MS, I don't know if I would have discovered that about myself. 
And then it, it helped me relate to people. So like now I would work with people, personal training, they'd be like, I have back issues. Like I can't do this. And I'm like, well, I have MS and I can, you know, and I had sure. clients who were so terrified about working out that I still get letters from saying like, you changed my life because you kept pursuing. And I didn't pursue because I want your money. I didn't pursue because, you know, I thought I was like the greatest thing. I just, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to sit there and have a condition and people tell you, you can't do this. You're not supposed to do this. And for me, I would have never got that confidence, like talking to people about conditions, unless I experienced it. And then it gave me this drive to help people be healthy. You know, it gave me this passion of wanting to help because I know what eating right and fitness has done for me. And I want to show everyone that not because I want to be up there on some sort of stage, but I want them to do it because your life shouldn't end at 25, 30, 40, or 50. Like your life should be continuously until the day you die. Don't let, you know, conditions tell you otherwise, put your foot down and fight. So. Sarah, you are a force of nature. I mean, and really to be admired. I mean, this, this is fantastic. Is this uh, from one of your parents or? <laughs> so I definitely, um, for as much as I hate it, me and my dad were very much alike. Uh, people would sit there and he was so stubborn and I would just sit there and like, there's no getting through to this man. And throughout my life, people would tell me, you're just like your father. And for the longest time, I was like, how dare you say that to me? <laughs> and then once I got older, like he was the one who I remember my insurance at some point got cut for whatever reason. So I couldn't get my medicine and I was so upset about it. And I was like, why is this happening? Like, I didn't ask for MS. I'm doing everything I can to fix it. I don't want to do this anymore. And I would just get upset and like break down about it. And he'd be like, no, like you fight. What else are you going to do? Just sit there and let them do it. And I kind of got into a habit of, okay, like I'm going to fight. And it just, oh. I definitely like, he was very much, you do what you have to do. And that's, that's what you do. Yeah, bravo, bravo. Can, can I switch the topic a little bit here? Um, how much do you sleep at night? So sleep, some things with MS, um, you do have sleep issues. So a lot of the times I go to bed at like 10, 11 o'clock and I'm up at like 3.34. And it's just- Probably can't get back to sleep. I actually, so by four o'clock I have to be up so I can go run so I can go to work afterwards. Oh my gosh. Yes. And then because I used to run and then lift, um, but with the MS, my runs do take longer. You know, I used to have like a 7.30 mile pace and now it's more like an 8.39. And it happens and, you know, I still have to do it. So I create more time. I used to lift in the morning after my run, that changed. Wow. So now I'm lifting later because I have to spread it out. So I'm running in the morning, lifting at night. And by the time I'm done everything, I'm like, well, I need like an hour or two just to do nothing. And sure. then by the time it's time that I want to go to sleep, it's like 10, 11 o'clock. And then I still have to be up at four. You got to get more sleep. <laughs> yes, but I feel like you listen to your body. Um, some people, yeah. I do very well on six, like five to six hours of sleep, but my body will tell me like, all right, we're getting more sleep and it will make very clear that I listen. You know, I'm, sure. I'm all for listen to your body. If you don't do well on five or six hours to sleep, you need to make that priority to get more. Right. I know people who four or five hours and they're just like, you know, flourishing and then other people, you know, if, if they're used to that four or five, they get six or seven and they spend their whole day groggy. So I think listening to your body and becoming in tune with your body, that's important, especially with the sleep, you know, and creating those patterns. I, I wake up at the same time and I go to bed around the same time. 
Yeah, that's that is very important. That's the it was the most important thing about sleep, to be honest with you. Yes, I've read. But it's also quality of sleep. You know, a lot of people right. they they sleep, but they don't sleep. That's what they tell you. Um, you're not supposed to watch TV before bed. You're not supposed right. to use your phone before bed. People still do. Yeah, that blue light. Yes, and so. it keeps you awake, and it won't put you in that REM sleep. Right, right. It's telling your body it's time to wake up. It's still yeah. Asleep. Right. Um, do you take any supplements at all or would you recommend any for people with MS or no? It goes back to the whole, what's your preference? Mm-hmm. I would rather get all my stuff from food. Um, so I'm very conscious. Like I'm that person, <laughs> excuse me, that if you look at me and you're like, oh, what's the nutrition label on the back of broccoli? I probably know it because <laughs> I read everything. It's, it's obnoxious. Like people will be like, oh, I, I tried this for food. And I'm like, yeah, it has like this much protein, this much fat. And they're like, how do you know this? And I'm like, I have no life. I, I just I study food. I read food. Um, so I don't take anything. Um, but I do think, again, it goes back to if it helps you. And if you're going to take something, get the higher quality. The cheap stuff is just going to, you're going to pee it right out. Like it, you're pretty much buying expensive urine. And it's also making sure you take it appropriately. Certain vitamins are fat soluble. Certain vitamins are water soluble. Know the difference because if you're not taking the fat with the vitamin, you're not going to retain the nutrients. Um, but with food, if you take it through food, it's a slower digestion process. You retain more of the nutrients. I don't like putting things in my body that I don't have to. Um, even whey protein, I really don't take it anymore. Like I used to when I was younger and then I stopped because I was like, I'll get it through food. How do you get your vitamin D? I, I mean, are you able to get enough sun? Or Well, I'm outside a lot. You are. running outside. Um, yeah, but at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, I know. But even like later at night, um, when other people like take breaks for stuff, I'm usually just walking around. If I have like an hour to kill, I'm just outside walking around in circles sure. for no reason. Um, I've never had a problem. And every doctor I've been to, they're the ones sitting there saying, you're taking vitamin D. And I'm like, no, I'm not. It's not going to happen. My vitamin D level is always normal. Right. It might be on the lower end of normal. I do recommend it for uh, like winter time. I don't take it, but a lot of people have uh, issues with like winter and they don't go outside. And then it has been helped to increase mood. Vitamins have a huge helping hand. You know, I'm, I'm very huge believer in get all the vitamins and minerals you can. I would just prefer not taking them through a pill. I would prefer doing the research and getting them from there. Other people are not going to do the research and that's fine. It's not your interest. You know, there are things where I like to know about, but I ain't going to research them. So the, the vitamins are better than nothing. So I'd rather someone take the vitamins to help them if their diet isn't exactly where it should be than to sit there and be like, well, I'm just not going to take it at all. Because even if some of it's getting absorbed, whether all of it is or not, which all of it most likely isn't, um, you're still getting some of the benefits. Right. And like you said, that's very, it can be very um, personal as far as, you know, how your body tolerates certain vitamins and, and maybe you would have difficulty even getting it through a diet, which we all prefer, but uh, they, they, you know, you might be vitamin D deficient, uh, even if you're trying to get as much sun as possible, especially yeah. living in our areas. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, and it's hard too. Like um, you have to be willing, and this sounds terrible. Um, I eat for nutrition. I don't necessarily eat for taste. Um, I'm going to eat the foods that have the most nutrients for me. Right. If they taste good, that's great. If they don't, I'm still eating it. Like, I don't care. Um, but that's because of my MS, you know, I sit there and I'm like, you need to get this in. I don't care if someone looked at me and said, you know, kidneys or livers to an animal is going to be what cures your MS. You guess what I'm eating. 
Like it's going to happen. Yeah. So not many people have that. And I totally understand it because people love food. Um, I just made that call. What was more important for me? Sure. And, I mean, your, your palate's probably changed too now. So you probably oh, yes. like some of these foods actually. I mean, that's what I discovered when I changed my diet. I mean, you, you get accommodated to it and you start craving it, you know. I tell people they did studies. And um, if you're craving chocolate or you're craving sweets, eat a piece of fruit or vegetable instead, your body will start craving it instead and that's right. kind of over time. And like the same, like you said, your palate, I mean, if you put too much salt and stuff, even a little salt, I can taste it. Other people can't. I tell people, I'm like, you'll adjust, like you'll adjust. And they're like, I don't know about this. And I'm like, I promise I've done it. It happens. Um, this is kind of out in left field a little bit, but I just read a lot, uh, a lot of people who have MS do develop optic neuritis at some point. And um, did you ever have trouble with that? I did. I actually kind of self-induced it, not really purposely. We go back the whole humidity thing. Um, I was noticing I was having trouble with my vision. I was blurry in one eye and my doctor told me you shouldn't be outside running in 90 degree weather. Well, I said, I want to run in 90 degree weather because I like the heat. So I remember going for a run and I had noticed it periodically and it was getting blurrier and blurrier, but it wasn't that bad. I could still see, I get back from my run and like this eye, it looks like someone took a flash from a camera and just like did it in my eye and I couldn't see. And, you know, I make all types of jokes and I'm like, oh, I could become a pirate at this point. It'll be great. We'll be <laughs> fine. But I remember going to the doctor and it was funny because I went to him before it got really bad. And I was like, I feel like there's something going on. It happened. And I'd already scheduled the MRI. And then, yeah, I came back. He's like, yeah, that is not good. Like you need to go on steroid infusions now or else you might not get your vision back. Um, so even now I still have some issues like one eye is blurrier than the other seeing colors like one red through one eye will look brighter than the other one. Oh, interesting. Yeah, listen to your doctors when they're like, don't run around in the humidity. That's yeah, very good advice. Yeah, and I mean, that's, I mean, again, you mentioned that several times though. I mean, heat and humidity, you really want to avoid that to a large extent, correct? And it's hard. Um, what I do, and because I love, I live for summer. Like that is like really? my golden error. I hate the winter. I absolutely hate it. I eat ice. So I'll eat ice throughout the day or I'll like suck on it. And it's helped a lot keep my body temperature down. And one of my doctors made a comment that I should get these, like, if I'm ever getting overheated to dump water over my head. So me and my friend used to make a joke saying I get elephant baths. So I would get overheated and I would have to get water dumped on my head and then it would yeah. cool down my body temperature so I could stay outside. So for some people you can avoid the heat, but if you're like me, you're not avoiding the heat like at all. So you have to find ways to adapt. And the best for me was the ice. You know, I'll carry around ice water, ice chips, like something. I'll go into stores and be like, can I have a cup of ice? And it's just to like cool my body temperature gotcha. down. Could take cold showers too. Oh, that's just as bad as a cold. <laughs> no. Do you ever find like any problems now with you like tolerating the cold because of yes. MS or is, is that different now? So I never noticed it until more recently because I never ran outside during the cold months ever. I was like, no, no, but I got very bored of running on treadmills. Right. So throughout the last two winters, I've ran outside. I will notice the amount I can run, the distance I can run, the time I can do it varies drastically on the weather. If it's in that like 50, 60 is range, 70, I'm golden. When it drops below 30, it hurts. It is painful. Yeah. What do you mean painful? 
So for me, my legs will get heavy. It, they feel heavy and like, almost like there's something inside my bones that's like crushing them. And so when I go to run, um, a lot of the times for the first like five minutes, 10 minutes on my run, I'll have that feeling. Um, usually I can run through it. Sometimes it doesn't go away. So like I'll stop and try to walk and get like whatever it is, but they'll, they'll just feel like they're really heavy and they hurt. Like, I wish I could explain it better, but like my foot will start dragging because um, I can't pick up my foot and there's no real reason why. It's just my MS is acting up. And I can always just tell because when I try to run, it just, it's too painful. Do you think uh, because you're bundled up and you're warmer um, that you overheat quicker? Or I don't know. I wonder what. No, that... I mean, it, there are days where I've woken up, went on runs, and then later on throughout the day, I have a hard time walking. Really? You know, it's just, yeah, it, it's crazy because people look at me and they're like, how is that even possible? And I'm like, no, like, you know, certain people who are around me a lot will see it. They'll see my foot start dragging. And um, I noticed that one day I was running in the snow, like it was snowing out and I was running back the same way. And I saw my foot dragging across the pavement and I didn't even notice because I didn't feel it. I sure. felt nothing. So I thought that I was perfectly fine, but I saw all the skid marks going down. Gotcha. So do you have like sensation in your legs now i mean can you feel them obviously you can function them i mean they move but do you have any feeling in them now or no i have feeling sometimes sometimes it, i don't have any um i have come to figure out i have altered sensation because i'll have like certain massages done on my legs and they tickle so bad like especially my it bands where i would be really tight as a runner and um my quads too and i'll get you know like, I'll feel like someone's tickling me. Like, I have to make them stop, not because it hurts, but because the tickling sensation is so bad. Like, I can't control my movement. Um, other sensations, like, you know, my cats will scratch my legs and I'll look down. And I'm like, oh, I'm bleeding. I'm like, when did they even do this? Because I just didn't feel it. I never got all my feeling back. But on certain days, like, you know, if someone, if I was to, like really cut myself open, I'd probably notice. Um, other than that, like little things, I'll walk into stuff. I'll like slam up against chairs and, you know, deadlifting, the bar will drag up my ankles and my shins are bleeding. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even notice. Like I had no idea until afterwards. Yeah, it seems as though um, it's your light touch is gone and maybe yeah. some of the deep pressure too, but um, you, you must have some because you wouldn't be able to walk. I don't think I'm, I'm no, I, I believe in muscle memory. Um, I've totally lost feeling in my legs where I cannot feel anything. I can still walk. Yeah, it's it's like the craziest thing. When I was in the hospital, I was there for like five, six days. Um, and they had students coming in, like touching on my legs, like because they didn't really believe that I did. Yeah. I had no sensation. But by the time I was done the hospital, and this is why exercise and getting up and active, like, please do not stay sedentary. If you have MS, like I get it. It hurts. Do not stay sedentary. Because I was sedentary for three days in that hospital because I had steroid infusions and I had spinal taps. And um, I tried to get out of bed and I could not walk. Like it was gone. And that was the day I decided I'm going to run. Um, you can't lose what you use. So I got that mentality. And, you know, even there are times where when I was in school, um, I had to get accommodations because if I was sitting for that three, four period, like four hour period, sure. I couldn't walk afterwards. Like I would try to get up and it just wouldn't work like everything was moving too slow and I can't get my legs to go so I had I feel like if you keep doing it your your body does remember and a lot of people disagree with me and tell me no that's not true but 
it's happening. You know, I've lost all my sensation and I can still walk. Sometimes it's not the prettiest sight. So with MS, it's always more distal to proximal and it's usually your appendages first, right? So typically your feet and then arms normally. It depends because one of my friend's mom, it was funny because she had MS and I remember hearing about it from her and I was like, that didn't seem that bad because like I didn't know. I was so ignorant about it. Like I had no idea. I'd never heard of this condition before. Um, she would get migraines and she got the optic neuritis. She sure. didn't really get much of the motor component until later on. It depends where the lesions are. Right. Yeah. You have them um, anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And if they're more towards the top of your brainstem, um, that's where you get the memory deficits, the speech deficits, and you'll get the migraines. You'll get, you know, maybe the optic neuritis a little bit more, more towards the spinal column, um, except for the cervical spine. You'll get more of that you know, the leg mobility, the arm mobility, sure. the lower you go down. Do you, uh, would it be okay if people could contact you with questions or, or would you oh. rather not have that be the case? No, they, I always welcome people um, with contacting their questions. I, I love talking to people and I love educating people because I feel I spend most of my time researching about health, nutrition, and fitness. And a lot of people don't, have that interest so if that's fine like I am more than happy to answer the questions you do have so you don't have to filter through all that stuff and especially nowadays with stuff on the internet of clients come up to me and be like I read about this and I'm like well that's terribly wrong sure. like, you know because there's so much false information out there and if yes. you don't have that background on it it's very hard to decipher what's real or fake you know some of these diet plans can be very convincing Gotcha. And uh, I, you know, if, if it's okay with you, Sherry, we'll include your email in the comments below then so that uh, that be the best way for people to get a hold of you. Or do you have like a Twitter or Facebook you want them yeah, to follow or anything? Or? I mean, I have Facebook, I have Instagram as well, or my email's fine. Um, I check my email quite frequently. Um, my Instagram and Facebook is pretty much just me posting about health in my lips in my calves. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Um, do you, are there any like, so say if someone just got MS and they're looking for like a support group or a good source or reference for something, are there some places you would recommend? So I personally don't like that kind of stuff. I don't know. I followed some of the pages and everything was depressing to me. I'm a very like upbeat person. I want to think the best. Um, I would read some of these articles and I would listen to some of these like pages and it just made me feel like they thought I was in, incapable of stuff. And I hate that. I absolutely despise when people sit there and tell me you can't do anything. So for me, if someone got diagnosed with MS, I just tell people, do your research, talk to people. You know, I talk to people and you know how many times I've sat there and someone's like, oh, you have MS. I know someone who had MS, they're in a wheelchair now. And I'm like, okay, didn't yeah. help. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for the pep talk. Yeah. Yeah. But like, do your research and don't let people set limitations on you. Like, don't allow them to sit there and tell you because of your condition, you can't do something because that's not true. You know, I had people tell me in five years, you're not going to be able to run your distance. Well, I just ran a half marathon not too long ago. So you're wrong. I had people tell me you can't power lift. You won't get stronger. They were wrong. Like, do not listen to people. They will tell you everything because they, they read what they know. And unfortunately, MS is one of those conditions that... You read about a hundred different cases and you know, right. if you see 60 of them are in a wheelchair, you, you fixate on that 60, you fixate on that worst outcome. And I had those doctors tell me those worst outcomes. I had people who 
knew someone similar with my symptoms tell me those outcomes and I didn't listen. And it was probably the best thing I ever did. And I would recommend that for anyone, you know, live to your potential, not someone else's. Yeah, I think your force of will it just overrides everything yeah. else. You, it you, just, it you, submits to you. It's, you sound like Matthew Embry. So when I watched that movie, I legitimately was like, me and this man could be best friends. I don't even know who he is. We could yeah, be best friends. Pretty fast. I just, I stumbled across that a few months ago. And I happened to watch the whole thing. And I mean, besides like we've seen people with MS, but it's pretty limited amount over the years. We don't see a lot, but yeah, Yeah. I I learned a lot just from watching that. So I watched him and I have, cause I watched it after I got your list of questions cause I never even heard of it. So that morning when I went to the gym, I put it on my, I ran on the treadmill cause I was like, I'm going to watch this cause sitting for an hour and a half is not something I want to do. Yeah. So I started watching it and the stuff he said about the medicine, like I, I thoroughly agree. I believe it's nutrition. I believe it's diet. I believe it's doing your research. Um, And I believe that you need to come at this with everything you have. You know, you have to just take it as it is, accept life on life terms and adapt. That's all you can do is adapt. And when I watched his video the whole time, I'm like, I need to meet this man. Like I need to be best friends with him. I don't. His Instagram is pretty motivating in general, even if you don't have MS. Like he's always working out and he's always about eating right. And he's always just motivating. You got his name name the documentary otherwise oh if people want to watch it it's on amazon prime right now it's just called living proof uh, matthew embry it's about ms and his website is ms hope and he talks about i mean it's a lot about him fighting with the, i think he's canadian wasn't he yeah yeah it's about him fighting with the ms group in canada and he's trying to get them to talk about diet and exercise with ms and they're all just pushing drugs and he's his whole family's getting frustrated so he basically made his own website and everything to talk about MS and like the importance of exercise and nutrition. That's oh, why when you reached out, that. I'm like, Oh, this sounds exactly like what he's talking about. I'm like, this would be interesting to have you on. So, Oh, he's right though. Cause I'll tell you, I've went to, I switched doctors multiple times, multiple. That's another thing. If you have MS and you don't like your doctor switch, if they're not okay. listening to you switch, I had a doctor and I told him my running is getting more difficult. He looked at me and said, well, we have this medication to help with walking. You do not qualify. And I'm like, excuse me. And he's like, well, you need to wait until you decrease more. And I'm just like, so when I watch his thing, like I, I a thousand percent agree with everything you said. Like there are times where you will meet certain doctors. I've also met great doctors, you know, but they do not talk about diet and nutrition and working out. Not once was I asked, what are you eating? You know, it was more like, oh, you're powerlifting. You should stop doing that. And I'm, doctors are awesome. They have so much wealth and knowledge, but you need to not be afraid to say, I don't want to go to this one anymore. Um, I'm going to switch. If they're not kind of matching your energy and they're not heading you in the same direction you want to be in, do not be scared to be like, you're not the doctor for me. You might be for someone else, but you're not for me. Very well said. Very well said. Mike, do you have any more questions or? I think we got through all of them. I had, um, is there anything else you want to say for anyone about MS or? I just think you're inspirational. I mean, just so well-spoken and so knowledgeable. And I mean, just my new hero, that's for sure. I mean. No, thank you. I love your show. I started watching it probably like two years ago. And I think I watched the episode with a woman with rheumatoid arthritis. Oh, you did? Yeah. And I was like, I could do that. Like, I feel like I could do that. I read a lot. Like I know a lot of stuff and, um, yeah, we I just have her back on because she, like I said, she lost all this weight now too. So. Yeah, and 
I just, for anyone with any condition, you know, do not let anyone else define you. Your condition does not define you. You can do anything you set your mind out to. I remember someone once told me a quote, you know, if there's a tree in the water, the tree eventually breaks. It's not because the water's stronger, but it's because it's more forceful and it's repetitive and it keeps going. You need sure. to keep going. Like anything that stands in your way, you have that power. Take responsibility, grasp it, and keep going. You will figure it out. You will get through it. Well, you are the water. In this <laughs> so again, well, put your email below if that's okay. Of course. You. And uh, yeah, we'll link your Instagram and Facebook too if people want to follow you on there. Just uh, you can give me those. Okay. Love to have you on again sometime. We may have to check in with you every so often just to see how you're doing. No, so. thank you. I appreciate it. I huge like I recommend your show to so many of my clients. They're like, I have like rotator cuff issue. I'm like, well, there's Bob and Brad. <laughs> and I was talking when I got when I got the email back. I'm like telling people, I'm like, it's Bob and Brad. You mean you, they're like, wait, you mean the two PT guys that you like watch all the time? And I'm like, yeah, I love them. <laughs> like I absolutely, you guys are doing so much good for people because it keeps them educated. You know, when they go Likewise. to the doctors. Likewise, this is going to be great for the people with MS. So. 